Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Hello again and welcome. I'm Ken Rundle and I'm joined by Yara's country grassland specialist, Philip Cosgrave, for a podcast focusing on silage and managing those early nitrogen applications. Philip, we're talking about management today, but that's a term that can mean different things to different folk. For example, dairy farmers as opposed to beef producers. I suppose dairy farmers are looking to produce milk from um, from silage, so they're looking for higher quality silage, whereas often, um, maybe not so much, but but suckler farmers that are feeding um, silage to suckler cows may not need that um, as, as high a quality silage, so they can let, let crops bulk out a little bit. Um, Obviously, if those farmers are looking for to 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 fatten animals from that silage, well, then that that's a different matter. And I suppose higher quality silage, the similar to what would be required by a dairy farmer, is um is necessary in in that case. And I guess we we see that for every week delay in harvest, um, silage devalue um falls by three point three percent. Um, so that that's obviously. You know, should be taken into a should be taken into account when kind of coming up with a um a cutting date, but also some other figures, I suppose, from some research that you know, for every one percent increase in devalue, dry matter intakes increase by by 0.22 of a kilo. Um, where and we we see increase in yield in in milk yields of 0.33 kgs per cow per day. Um, and this can substitute concentrate out 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 of the diet by about about. 0.4.5 kgs a day. So there's quite significant savings there in reducing um concentrate um on in, in dairy rations and dairy TMR um feeds. So it's something to to, to bear in mind when deciding on a, on a cutting date. And that also, of course, involves how many cuts you have in any particular season. I gather last year with droughts and floods and everything else, there were some interesting facts coming out of that multi-cut systems compared with, let's say, the traditional three. Yes, there seems that there's um, those that have gone for that kind of multi-cut system, which is typically kind of four or five or maybe even six cuts. Um, but obviously, they're being cut at shorter, um, free at at, at, at um frequency isn't quite as long between individual cuts and that those farmers seem to have maybe fared out better in areas of the country where and was more uh, affected by drought last summer so i suppose that you know by cutting that first cut earlier maybe in the end of april or the very beginning of may that those farmers were nearly getting a second cut out of the way by the time the, the the worst of the drought came on whereas farmers who maybe delayed um and taking cuts you know mid may or you know Around about that mid-May period, that second cuts then were the, were were really impacted by um by those drought conditions. So there was very you know poor yielding second cuts on on the, on those farmers. Now, not it wasn't seen everywhere, but that's just kind of anecdotally we seem to be hearing that back. I suppose it's a question that can't be ignored these days. But little and often means more tractor journeys and more energy use. Now, how does that all fit in with the pressure on? farm carbon footprints, which I know some dairy processors, for example, are really focusing on now with their, their offers to farmers and contracts. Yeah, it's it's not an easy one to um to, to um make a um you know a very exact comment on Ken in that um obviously more frequent cutting means that you know for every kg of, of dry matter, for every ton of dry matter produced, um 
you know, because of the more frequent cuts, there are there are going to be there's going to be higher, um, you know, I suppose fuel usage, um, tendency for those for animals to require this higher quality silage on a multi-cut system. You know, more silage is required because it it improves dry matter intakes, and um, so more silage may have to be made. Um, but it's looking like Ken that um that the gain is is that you're producing higher quality silage, which has a positive impact on on lowering um methane emissions, but also that you can substitute out um purchased um feed, which may be coming in from um from third countries. We haven't talked about application rates here. We haven't talked we haven't talked yet about the fertilizer applications. What are the key messages here? Um, well, I guess you know it's it's important that um, you know we look at, at you know using that optimal optimal rates, particularly for farmers who are trying to um, grow um, you know good crops of silage. So we're looking at 120 kgs of nitrogen per per hectare, um, 40 kgs of of phosphate per hectare. So that's P2O5 per hectare, and even though um, you know the offtakes of of potash of K2O are 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 quite high in a first cut. We'd like to minimise the amount of potash going on in that um, first cut to to eighty kgs um, of of potash um, per hectare. Because if we look at, I suppose, just the offtakes of potash on a first cut, you're looking at one hundred and sixty five kgs on a typical five ton of dry matter crop. So we're only really reapply we're already actually putting on half of the requirement now so it's important to make up the difference um, in subsequent cuts and i guess the reason why we like to keep it to about 80 to 90 kgs of potash per hectare on that first cut whether that's in uh, a mineral fertilizer or whether it's from slurry is because we want to um, minimize the luxury uptake of, of k in that first cut silage which may affect um you know, if that, if, if that silage has been used in, in dry cow diet, particularly on, on, on dairy farms. I know there's a lot of talk at the moment about the increased use of organic manures, particularly slurry. You've got some thoughts on planning the best use of slurry and also some interesting information on sulphur. Yes, Ken. We, we um, I suppose the first thing is the timing of slurry that farmers are looking to get slurry out Um you know, early in the spring, you know, if there's closed periods, they're looking to to wait until that closed period is finished, obviously, but looking to to get that out because maybe um slurry storage is is filling up and they need to empty it out. But if we can if we can, I suppose, delay that application of slurry on first cuts to closer to, to the time of of um when grass is starting to grow, well then we can capture more of the available N in the crop. So we can actually, I suppose, utilize the the available N in that slurry more. Um, efficiently and, and and effectively. So, and I suppose we're looking at as an indication. We're looking at, um, you know, that soil temperatures are you know six degrees and rising, um, and that soil conditions are good. So that we know then that when we apply that slurry, the the nitrogen in that slurry then is going to be um, utilized by that grass plant as it starts um, growing in 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 early springtime. Unless it's used, you're going to get into trouble. It'll just get washed off. It's very important to to make sure that the, the grass is in a in a state where it's going to make immediate use of it. Certainly, yes. And I suppose that's where we'd like, if at all possible, we should be delaying those slurry applications slightly until, you know, soil temperatures are warmer and soil conditions are, are better. And obviously that there's no um, heavy rain forecasted. Um, and I guess with 
some interesting work um, from um, a trial that was carried out by Chagas over two years um, looking at sulfur applications, but also just looking at, at, at the combination of, I suppose, typically on a first cut silage, you can, um, if you're applying, you know, 33 cubic meters, which is around about 3000 gallons of slurry per acre, um, that would kind of fulfill the P and K requirements of um, most first cut silage crops. But where farmers were, were basically topping up the amount of nitrogen in that first cut with mineral fertilizer with mineral nitrogen um, this trial by Chaga showed that um, by using a nitrogen and sulfur fertilizer um, increased grass yields by by 24 percent so a significant increase in grass yields by not just going for a nitrogen only fertilizer but choosing a nitrogen and sulfur fertilizer to accompany slurry applications because a lot of farmers will think that there's obviously there is sulfur in slurry but it's not um, in the there's some of it in the available form, but not enough for that first cut um, requirement. So that's something to bear in mind. And another positive to that, um, I suppose, it, you know, inclusion of, of a nitrogen and sulfur fertilizer along with slurry was that it had a significant um, it was a significant decrease in uh, nitrate leaching losses where a sulfur fertilizer was used rather than just a straight um, nitrogen product on the on that on that that that, that trial. These days, I suppose it's all about marginal gains against increasing constraints like costs to markets, climate and environment. What's your take on the marginal gain issue? I mean, are these more important or are they, are they something that farmers don't have to worry about? Oh, I think, you know, we can do simple, um, you know, things which can can improve, um, you know, make our, our first cut, well, first cut silage, our silage systems more efficient. And I suppose, you know, very simple to um and I think I've mentioned it before, you know, we're looking at, you know, on mowers that the blades and mowers are are sharpened in that it obviously it, uh, it it'll reduce the energy required to cut the grass. But obviously, then you're getting a cleaner cut for the grass. But then it's you get a, a quicker recovery of those grass wards where um where they've been cut with with sharp blades. So they're they're instead of, um you know, tearing the grass, you're actually cutting the grass. Um, so we see quicker recovery on on swords. So that's that's quite simple, um, and has a positive impact, particularly in years where we're, we're we're you know we're seeing more drought. So it's important that you know crops get growing quickly after um, after the previous cut. You know things like soil compaction, Ken, where you know f- tractors and 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 um, trailers are going crossways in field after they f- after they fill up with with um, with the forager. They're filled. Instead of taking kind of uh, minimizing the the um, the total area of that 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 I suppose machinery is crossing, that you're bearing that in mind, so that you're somehow trying to reduce the amount of um, you know uh, wheelings on a particular field has a has a big impact on soil compaction. And then you know we've seen by Paul Hargreaves and SRUC where the impact of soil compaction on silage swards um, can have a you know, a real, um, uh, I suppose, impact on reducing yields if compaction um, is is significant on, 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 on silage fields. And with so much silage now cut by contractors who are working well, 24 hours a day during the season, um, it's the sort of thing to check out with them because it, it's the kind of thing that can drop off a, a priority list as far as a busy contractor is concerned, but they're the ones who are doing the damage, as it were. 
Yes, and it's not something that probably farmers um, want to broach with 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 a contractor. But certainly, you know, small things can be car- can can be done by the contractor to um, you minimize the wheelings in fields. Um, you know, and certainly, you know, this thing where where um, you know there's a lot of um, tractors and trailers going from from the when the, when they fill up from the forager that they go directly, I suppose. Um, um, perpendicular to the actual direction that the that the the swats are being picked up, you know that can um, that can be uh, reduced so that you know wheels kind of stay at least in parallel lines to try and minimise some of those um, wheelings on the field. And sometimes the guys doing all that hauling are the younger generation on the farm who perhaps don't consider these things too important at the time. No, that, and certainly there look and there is a time thing too that they want to try, get through crops. Um, but, you know, certainly soil compaction needs to, um, you know, we need to be, um, you know, more aware of the, the causes of soil compaction on silage fields. Right. Well, we've covered quite a lot in a short time ourselves, Philip. What are the important things you want farmers to take from this? I guess, you know, using slurry efficiently can, you know, make sure that we record what's actually been applied and that, and that it's been applied evenly on fields. Um, but then looking at, um, you know, topping up with the correct um, level of, of, of nitrogen, of a nitrogen and sulfur fertilizer, because we know that um, the, the increase in yields associated with, it, with including sulfur. Um, if, if we need an NPK fertilizer, we should be using one with sulfur in it also. But, you know, we're looking at using a quality product, you know, Yara products, they're compound products. Um, so you know that there's uh, nitrogen and sulfur in every granule and those products are, are nitrogen phosphate potash and sulfur and those npks products so that you know they're getting an even application of, of of both that nitrogen and sulfur because the two of them do work in combination and the other point bearing in mind if you are buying in from other sources make sure you know the analysis because you can't always assume that the cheap deal is actually going to give you the same kind of thing as you've had before from some of the standard products Yes, certainly, and that we're we have a I suppose a product guarantee with Yara products. That's what's what's on the bag is in the bag, Ken. Practical and expert advice there from a man close to his subject, Philip Cosgrave, Yara's country grassland specialist. And that's all for now. Our next podcast will be posted in a couple of weeks' time. So join me, Ken Rundle, then. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.